Well, hello, and welcome to We Just Like to Talk. I'm your host, Becky. And I'm Ben. And this is a podcast for easy listening about hard subjects. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about our favorite TV show, Buffy. The Vampire Slayer. So both of us have enjoyed watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer for a long time now. I think it's a TV show that we both watched when we were much younger. And about a year and a half ago, we just kind of almost by chance decided that we were going to rewatch it from the beginning together, which was pretty exciting. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that we'd probably love to do lots of different episodes about Buffy because we probably have too much to say in just one 40-minute episode. So this is just the beginning of our Buffy journey. Uh, And this is kind of like a preliminary discussion. We're going to probably be a little bit all over the place as we just sort of jump from topic to topic. But this is one way that we're going to explore sort of maybe what we want to discuss more specifically in future episodes. This is part one of part many. Exactly. So, fair warning up front, lots and lots of spoilers for all of the series. Listen at your own risk. What Buffy season is your favorite season, and why? Well, I can tell you which one I liked the least, but my opinion has changed since we watched it together. Okay, let's hear that. So... I really hated season four when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So that's the season where Buffy goes to college and she meets Riley. Mm -hmm. We can pause for a moment to convey our mutual disgust for Riley. Yuck. When I was younger, because I I started watching Buffy when I was kind of like high school age, uh, I hadn't obviously been to college or university yet. So that, that part of her arc didn't really work for me. Uh, I wasn't there yet my, myself, and I just I found the season itself was a little bit flat. But since rewatching it, especially now because I'm older, I actually really do like that season a lot. I still don't like Riley, of course, but you know when you and I were watching it together, there were lots of individual episodes in that season that really shone, and mm-hmm. just the the whole idea of like Buffy leaving high school behind but not really finding a place for herself in college felt more relatable but also just like it it made more sense now that i since i've rewatched it this time and and previous times since i've been a bit older nice my favorite season is probably season three Mm, i was just thinking the same really yeah we're so in sync (laughs) i like it because it's the last season in high school things have begun to get serious the show has cast off kind of the monster of the week quirkiness of its early couple of seasons. The show is just still so young in season two. Mm-hmm. 
But season three, suddenly, because of everything that goes down with Buffy and Angel and then the mayor rolling up into town and Faith showing up, and it, it's just, it, it feels like the Buffyverse finally takes off and explodes. And there's just so much going on. There's so much drama. Um, it, it's the season where Buffy really matures because she's had to deal with what happened in season two. Uh, and all of her friends are maturing as well, right? You have all of, like the Xander and Cordelia stuff, and Willow and Oz, and uh, it's it's just it's such a rich season. Mm-hmm. And of course, that what the last episode with the graduation, right? And they have to try to fight the mayor, and they sort of enlist the entire graduating class to like fight the vampires who are going to to attack. And then Buffy gets to blow up the school, which is extremely symbolic and cathartic. Mm-hmm. If someone could just wake me when it's time to go to college, that'd be great. Guys, take a moment to deal with this. We survived. It was a hell of a battle. Not the battle. High school. Like that's it's such it's such a great episode. It's just so well written and so well paced, and it's a great emotional ending. You know, they they could have ended the series there. I'm glad they didn't, obviously, but they could have ended the series there, right? Like that was a great point to pause. Well, I think I think you said it best. Like there is just so much that happens, and between so many different characters too. Like even um, even Spike and Drusilla, like that whole thing happens, and Buffy and Cordelia like competing for like the homecoming queen, and yeah, there's there is just so much that goes on in this season and it's really intense but it's like all I think really necessary to kind of like set up the next couple of seasons yes mm-hmm. I agree you know something I was thinking when we were watching Angel on Monday was yeah uh, season four which is the season that's that Buffy's in when we're watching season one of Angel right now season yep. four might have been the last time Buffy was really happy hmm yeah I guess so right yeah season five rolls around and her mom dies yeah which is awful and glory just seems like this unkillable monster right like Buffy just cannot get cannot get a grip on glory and then of course at the end of season five Buffy dies and she comes back in season six she doesn't want to come back but Willow (laughs) brings her back uh, yeah. And Buffy's like, I thought I was in heaven. I didn't want to be here. And then she thinks that she's she came back wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. And how yeah, being having these like super powers is really wonderful. Um, yeah, but like you said, like how it has its like downside for sure. And having superpowers doesn't stop everything else from sucking in your life, right? Like yeah. Buffy can't save her mom from dying of a brain aneurysm. Yeah, that is. That, that, I have to say, is one of the saddest episodes when her mom passes away. On our Facebook page, we put out a call for some some of our audience to suggest their favorite Buffy moments. So Rose brought up this whole Buffy's Buffy discovering mom, her mom's death. So the end of that episode, right? And the way Buffy goes into uh, the living room and is looking for her mom. She's like, Mom? Like, Mom, where are you? And then mom, we see, we see, we see mom before Buffy does, right? Because mom's in the background, out of focus, lying on the couch. And she's looking like she's in an unnatural position. But when Buffy turns around and sees her mom, at first she thinks, oh, mom's sleeping or something. 
But mom's eyes are open. Hey, flower getting lady. Want me to pick Dawn up from school? Mom? What are you doing? Mom? Mom? Mommy? Ugh. Giving me chills. Heartbreaking, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So real. Yes, because because up until that point, the deaths we'd seen in Buffy are that right, they're caused by supernatural beings. Sometimes they're like gory or violent or yeah. just like maybe like a bit unrealistic. Yeah, because you know, you like the special effects or something, somebody dissolving or disintegrating or whatever. This was entirely natural. Um this was, you know, something that Buffy couldn't fight against. And it it wasn't unexpected because they did a good job sort of foreshadowing and building the whole plot throughout the season. But maybe a little bit unexpected in the sense of we didn't necessarily expect them to kill off Joyce, especially maybe not like that. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you sort of think she has like a fighting chance because, you know, she's going through the chemo. She was in the hospital. Then she's like sent home and... I, at least I always believed that she, she sort of had this fighting chance and she would survive a little bit longer, right? Yeah, except then... this is Buffy, so nobody deserves to be happy. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so we we both kind of agree that season three is our favorite, it seems. Yep. But I think we also share a penchant for the Halloween episodes, right? I love the Halloween episodes. They are honestly, I love the Halloween episodes because they give a little bit of a, you know, spooky, spooky edge, more so I think, but also because they can be pretty humorous. So I like that they have that balance. Like that's really hard to pull off. I think that's something the series does really well in general, right? It finds that balance, like you were saying, between spooky things or serious things and humor. Which which one out of the Halloween episodes? This is tough. Which one? Do, which one would you pick if you had to pick maybe one or? Right. Was there one that you didn't like? Uh, hmm. Well, I mean, the classic one is the season two episode where they they get turned into to their costumes, right? Oh, it's so good. Yes. So on our Facebook page, Sean brought up that episode uh, and said. Favorite for many reasons, not the least of which is the fact that we get a glimpse into Giles's past, mm-hmm. but also seeing all the characters turned around by their costumes really highlighted the quality of the show's writing and the quality of the characters themselves. The trope subversion was glorious. So that's kind of the classic. Season four has one for sure. Yeah, that's the one, that's the other one I always remember, which is fear itself. Yeah, yeah, and I, I actually I really like that one. I think it's funny. I think it like because they're trapped in the house, right? Yeah. And that's where we learn that Anya is afraid of bunnies because right. she shows up in a bunny costume because somebody tells her that for Halloween you dress up as something that... Scares you. Yeah. Yeah. And then Xander's dressed up like James Bond. Mm-hmm. Oh, when the when the um, demon is summoned and we think it's going to be this like scary thing, but it ends up being this like tiny, almost like the size of a mouse... Yes, that's that's why I like that episode so much. Yeah, yeah. And and probably like 
I don't know about you, but I think I think that was one of the episodes where I was definitely like kind of like clinging to the couch, you know? Like I was like a little bit more scared. They just kept getting like pushed away from one another and these weird things would happen. I I do have to say, even though I watch my fair share of um, scary movies, there are definitely, not even just the Halloween episodes, but there are definitely some episodes in Buffy where I was a little bit scared or I would watch it and I would be like, oh, I feel like I have to watch like a comedy now or, or leaving your house and being like, I feel a little weird, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Are you, do you have any, any particular episode in mind? No, not off the top of my head. I mean... This might be biased because it's recent. Um, but I'm thinking, so season seven, because we just finished that recently. And this is this is also something that Rose brought up on our Facebook page. But the episode where Xander's eye gets gouged out. Oh, yeah. That was that was really brutal, for sure. Good mention on that one, yeah. It's it's a really sad episode. This is it's one of the reasons why I've tended to be harsh on season seven. Again, rewatching it with you made me appreciate it a little bit more, just like everything that I do with you in my life. Um, <laughs> but I, w- I was definitely harsher on season seven in the past because it felt like such a downer season, and it, it's depressing. I don't. I want to watch comedies afterwards. You're absolutely right. Oh. Okay, wait, so I know which episode is the scariest. Hush, because of like how these demons are, I don't know, they're just like floating and they're so creepy and they have these like big mouths and they take away the the voices of their victims and it's, it's just super creepy. I remember being like, we just weirded out. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the conceit of the whole episode being that after the opening credits, nobody speaks until the very end. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do I do like the exposition scene in the middle of that episode where Giles is trying to explain who they who the, who the men are and has oh. to do it using like the 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 drawings on the overhead projector. Yeah, yeah. That that definitely added some humor. Yeah, that was really <laughs> good that one. Yeah. What about like so not scary episodes, but like okay. saddest moments. So we talked about Buffy's mom. Yeah. But, like, what about, so St- staff on the Facebook page, uh, who has her own podcast, by the way, called It's Disney's Time, and you should all go check it out if you like Disney. But Steph talked about Buffy, at the end of season two, Buffy has to kill Angel, because otherwise the whole world's going to get sucked into a hell dimension. Mm-hmm. And that's, the, like, the music in that, I don't know, I don't know if you remember that, but just the music is just this haunting piano music, and it's just, like, she stabs him through the the chest to to kill him and, and seal up the the hole and yeah i would definitely have to say that's one of the saddest episodes for sure and probably the episode when when buffy dies like for dawn mm-hmm. it's just such a it was just such like a sacrifice on her part and it's like a, you know she was just more than willing to do it and i just remember like trying to like cover my face because i was like oh my gosh this is so sad (laughs) that for me like i cry at the end of that episode all the time yeah how can you not yeah well and because and i'm just thinking about this now but there's parallels between that episode and the episode where buffy kills angel because Mm -hmm. both 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 moments involve buffy having to do something to sacrifice something to stop the world from being sucked into hell yeah. It seems like this comes up too often. Um, yeah. 
And so, so Buffy has this moment where she decides that she's going to sacrifice herself and she's standing on top of that very rickety tower. And she, she has this, this moment with Dawn. Listen to me. Listen. I love you. I will always love you. This is the work that I have to do. Tell Giles it. Giles, I figured it out, and I'm okay. I give my love to my friends. You have to take care of them now. You have to take care of each other. You have to be strong. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Be brave. Live. For me. Buffy's realized this now from being the Slayer. Like, the hardest thing to do in this world is live in it because the world is a harsh place sometimes. Yeah. And it really intrigues me that this is something I didn't remember until we rewatched it together. But in season seven, Buffy tells, I think it's Giles, that if she had to do it all over again, she would have sacrificed Dawn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How far Buffy has come in those, those two years since then of just like the, the, the difference in her perspective as a slayer and as a warrior and a fighter. Like, I would sacrifice my sister to save the world. And I know that now. But yeah, it's just like, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, and then she wouldn't have gotten brought back, which was probably even worse. And I mm-hmm. never, I don't think I ever saw that episode. That's why I was so shocked was when she said, like when she admitted it was to Spike, I think, when she was saying like, I didn't want to come back because I was in heaven and it was so peaceful. And it's just like, ooh, that like, that grated on me in a for a different reason because it was just so terrible that now she's back to this spot where she's sort of like living in hell but it's yeah. her reality hell on earth <laughs> want me to tell you one of my favorite episodes yes please or favorite moment in the episode so it's a fairly dark episode overall but the end of season six where willow goes evil okay yeah so i i love that ending where xander basically is the one who gets to save the world oh yes because willow is willow is going to use all of her dark magic to like raise this satanic temple and uh once again i think the plan is to like destroy the world by getting it sucked into some kind of hell dimension so there you go um but but yeah and willow's going to do this she's in the process of doing this and xander shows up in the nick of time stands in her way physically puts himself in the way 
and says, you're going to have to kill me before you do kill the rest of the world. Yes. And he tells Willow that he loves her and that, and and not like romantically, but just I love you as a person and as my friend. You can't stop this. Yeah, I get that. It's just where else am I going to go? You've been my best friend my whole life. We're all going to end. Where else would I want to be? Is this the master plan? You're going to stop me by telling me you love me? Well, I was going to walk you off a cliff and hand you an anvil, but you seem kind of cartoony. Still making jokes. I'm not joking. I know you're in pain. I can't imagine the pain you're in. And I know you're about to do something apocalyptically evil and stupid, and hey, I still want to hang. You're Willow. Don't call me that. The first day of kindergarten, you cried because you broke the yellow crayon. And you're too afraid to tell anyone. You've come pretty far, ending the world, not a terrific notion. But the thing is, yeah, I love you. I love crayon-breaky Willow, and I love scary, veiny Willow. So if I'm going out, it's here. If you want to kill the world, well, then start with me. I've earned that. You think I won't? It doesn't matter. I'll still love you. Shut up. It's, in Willow, Just it's just like, don't do this, right? Because that's the last thing she needs, is she, mm-hmm. the last thing she needs, She's she feels like she's gone so far down this dark path of revenge, and she the last thing she needs is for somebody to start forgiving her. She she wants to be beyond forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I'm all about the power of friendship, right? And and platonic friendship, saving the world and saving the day. So I really like that. And, and I really like that for once, Xander gets to be the one who uh, gets to be the hero. Because, of course, his, his, his whole thing is he doesn't have any powers. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, I think one of my favorite episodes... It's from season three. It's when um, Anya is like first like introduced. And it's when I think when Cordelia says like, oh, I wish Buffy never like existed. So then Anya brings forth this like alternate universe where Buffy doesn't exist and Willow and Xander are vampires. And I think one of the reasons why I like it is because we see like a different side, especially to Willow, where she's like, you know, like evil and super like sexy and it's like but sexy sexy in a creepy way yeah yeah yeah. sexy in a creepy way for sure but like still, they're like, torturing angel and she calls him the puppy can i go play yeah. with the puppy now <laughs> yeah like she's super evil and usually we see willow like you know shy and um kind of like stutters and not really sure of herself at the beginning but then we see this like where in this alternate universe she's totally different so i think that's one of the reasons why i really liked it yes that's a fantastic episode i i, I i'm I've got a soft spot for like alternate universe episodes in general on tv shows yeah. but that's a fantastic episode and then of course there's an episode later on when alternate universe willow vampire willow gets pulled into this universe right oh right yeah that one was really good too and willow gets to interact with herself and she even has to our willow has to pose as vampire willow to oh yeah to go into the bronze and it's so yeah it's so funny and awkward and cringy 
And of course, Willow also observes, you know, I think I'm kind of gay, um, oh, which is yeah. foreshadowing for her <laughs> discoveries in season four, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know, I think one of our listeners mentioned it was one of them. Yeah, well, yeah, Stephanie mentions it is uh, the musical episode. Mm-hmm. Once more with uh, feeling. Once, yeah, once more with feeling. I wasn't as hyped about it as most people, and I'm sad to say it, but I think that's because that could have been a lot of reasons. I think I do. I do agree. I think they did it wonderfully. I think there was a lot of like power and a lot of humor, and there was a lot of. I don't know. It was it was done really well, especially like Stephanie says, like for like a non musical television show. Yeah, that's really impressive that they could pull that off for sure. But I don't know, something with musicals, and I had to learn this the hard way, was when I went to New York and we went to a Broadway show. And there's something about musicals, it just, I don't know, it's like my brain like turns off and it's not interested anymore. You know, when you pay $200 for a ticket at a Broadway show and then you take a nap halfway between, I think that tells you something. (laughs) that you're getting old and can't stay awake that late ah yeah i mean it could be that too yep (laughs) um but no that that's totally fair because i'm right there with you i'm not a musical person one of my favorite things about watching buffy with you is the amount Uh of swearing is it's it's the amount of swearing that you would do well you can't edit that out right no (laughs) that's that's real-time shit and, and i know that i i knew that an episode had you hooked once you started swearing, and if you started swearing before the opening credits, I just knew that this was going to be a really good time. Mm-hmm. So, I have to ask you, Becky, Angel or Spike? That is still the question two decades later. (laughs) Who do you find most attractive yourself, personally? And then who do you think is the best match for Buffy of the two? Oh, this is so hard. (laughs) I don't know if if our listeners are going to struggle as much as I do, but... Okay, I'm going to pick Spike from more, more attractive. Yeah, like in terms of hotness, who's hotter? Spike. Okay. And then who's better for Buffy? <sighs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like Angel and Buffy have always had this like everlasting love, like, you know, once in a lifetime thing. I want to say Angel. Okay. Okay. Here's my perspective. Okay, yeah. Hashtag unpopular opinion. I think the whole <laughs> Angel Buffy thing is creepy. What? Because she's 15 when she meets him. Right, and he's like 300? Yeah. Like, it. there's the whole, like, power dynamic consent thing going on of, like, dude's okay. creeping on a 15-year-old here. <laughs> um, yeah, but you also have to, like, maybe we should put it into perspective that when he died, he was, like, pretty young, right? Like when he sure. got turned, sorry. When sure, he got turned. no, sure, sure. I see where you're going with that. I, but he's lived. He has lived those past centuries, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, not lived. Yeah. He's undead, but he has experienced those past centuries. So he's much older. So, yeah. it it's just 
But what about Spike? That's like the same situation. Absolutely. I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit different, though, because once Buffy gets to the point where she might be developing feelings for Spike, at least she's, yeah. an, she's an adult at that point, right? And Okay. I, I think it is true what they say about how as you get older, age differences matter less. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So so that that to me is well, doesn't seem as problematic. Well, it depends how old. Sure. Yeah. That that to me doesn't seem as problematic. I have other issues like the whole, you know, rape attempt. Oh, yeah, that's that episode was brutal for sure. I don't really think it's handled very well either. And then mm-hmm. and the whole it just the whole thing about him like, "Oh, you know, I screwed up. I'm going to go get a soul and that's going to make it all better," right? Like <sighs> Yeah, that's why I feel like as much as he tries and he he definitely, like, learns to an extent, I just think, like, Angel is just overall, like, better. That's fair. But, but okay, here's the thing, I think, is that with Angel, he's more sensitive and maybe can be more or doesn't have as hard of a time being vulnerable. I think that's really important to just, like, let your guard down and, like, show someone who you really are. And I think... Spike sort of like always like struggled with that. It's like he tried to do and be so many things. And then finally it's like he would let his guard down. But it was like so far, so far gone or so far into it that I just, I don't know. He's too much. I think that's a really good observation. Yeah. We're going to get, I hope we get angry letters about this because we've now managed to offend both the Team Angel and the Team Spike shippers now. Um, Yeah. Please send us angry (laughs) letters. Nobody's sending us letters out of... Any variety. So angry letters would be an improvement. Yeah. Give us some hate mail. Give us like <sighs> some hate on Instagram or Facebook. Like I, we want some frenemies going on. Just so. show us that you care. Um, yeah. Just show us that you care. <laughs> but but no, seriously. Um, I I understand where you're coming from with Angel. I just I think yeah. that she she meets Angel and falls for him when she's too young. And I don't know if they could ever really have a relationship because of that. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying about Angel's character being more suitable for her. Mm-hmm. Even when Spike gets his soul in season seven and comes back and they start developing a bit of a thing, I'm not comfortable with it. Like, I think, and we had a bit of a discussion about this because I, I think I was asking you, do you think Spike really loves Buffy before he has his soul? I'm like, do you think he's capable of loving Buffy without a soul? And you were, mm. if I recall correctly, you were like, yeah, for sure. Like, of course he can love somebody without having a soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was more dubious about it, but you made some really good points at the time. Um, <laughs> but but even when he comes back in season seven and has his soul and still loves Buffy, although he's mending himself at this point, I'm still uncomfortable with it because Buffy herself is so broken. It feels again like they're kind of it's just it's a very unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. They're it's very they're very codependent. You know, she she's not with him because she wants to be with him. She's with him because she needs to feel something and he happens to understand that need hmm that's a good point clearly the only person who's viable for buffy is riley uh (laughs) oh yeah he was just the best boyfriend ever uh no riley is the worst um as i say rolling my eyes riley sucks even oh he's just so insecure yeah he's so okay yeah let's Let's talk about the reasons why he sucks. Okay, so he's so insecure. He's boring. He looks like a uh, Joe Schmo. Like, he's just, like, 
because he's, he's supposed to be like a farm boy right like he's he i, th- I think what i don't know if it was you or me who said this but he's he's so vanilla Ugh. he yeah. he is the rebound guy after angel right like the only sex position that he's that he's into is like missionary <laughs> right i mean we know that's not true because he has sex with buffy while she, uh, a couple of times at least especially when faith is in her body and uh we know faith Likes to ride ride them cowboys. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let me say this then. Okay, so he 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 chooses missionary only until a girl like is dominant enough to tell him <laughs> that she wants something else. Okay, there. Okay, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> poor Riley. Um, poor Riley. And like, and he's so. I think I think this is the thing is that well. Because you could be straight-laced and not boring. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could, like, follow the rules and, and stuff like that. But you could still have, like, a, a personality. But for him, I just think, like, he doesn't have a personality. And he's so straight-laced. Which just makes, like, a super boring person. In my mind. I don't know. In my opinion. So so moving on from just, like, Buffy's boyfriends and relationships and stuff, we could finish off by talking about how Buffy grows from a quite a young teenager in season one all the way until season seven where she's this young adult who's responsible for a younger sister and has to start you know paying the bills and stuff because mom's not in the picture anymore uh Mm -hmm. she goes through a lot of change yeah i feel like she goes through i don't want to say the most because i i think xander and willow also go through a lot of change Mm-hmm. But she definitely goes through a significant amount of change for sure. The most obvious way that Buffy changes is obviously as she matures, she becomes burdened by being the Slayer, right? Yeah, I would agree to that. And and I also think that at the beginning, she seemed a little bit naive. I feel like she was new to being a Slayer. She's younger. She's in high school. She doesn't have like as much responsibility. There's just so much more to it. Like, the good and the bad. Yeah, she definitely had to grow into the responsibility, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and those early seasons were very much like, like you were saying, that naivete and almost just, almost like the joking about it, like, yeah, but, you know, what am I going to wear to prom? Yeah, exactly. It was like, her focus was never just being a slayer, it was like, all these other things, like, boyfriends, and obviously her friends, and... Um, yeah, what is she going to wear to prom or who's going to be the prom queen? Like that kind of stuff. So it's the tension, of course, between being the chosen one and wanting to be just a normal girl, right? Yeah. And as the series goes on, Buffy realizes, hey, maybe I can't be a normal girl. And it bums her the fuck out. And I totally get that. It would bum me out if I couldn't be a normal girl, too. You're not a normal girl. That's true. I'm not. You're. Let's be real. Abnormal. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but one one of the ongoing tensions when it comes to to Buffy and how she interacts with the people around her, she keeps trying to push them away when when the shit hits the fan and she needs to like take care of the monster and stuff. She's like, "No, I'm going to deal with this by myself. You know, I don't mm. want to put anybody else in danger." But, I'm a big girl. Yeah. And the solution almost always involves them helping in some way. Yeah. Right. And we see that 
most poignantly in season four because they literally like combine their essences to destroy Adam. But throughout the series, like even at the end of season one, you know, I talked about Xander saving the world in season six by by being friend to Willow. But at the end of season one, Xander's the one who shows up in the Master's underground lair and uh, carries Buffy's drowned body back up to the surface, right? And gives her CPR mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's 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 underlying th- theme throughout the show of Buffy. One of the, like Buffy is atypical as a slayer. She survives for so long as the slayer. Because she has these people around her. She has the Scoobies backing her up. Hmm. Any final thoughts? Honestly, I've just really enjoyed watching Buffy with you. I think that there is no better person to watch this show with. And yeah, thank you for going on that adventure with me. You're welcome. Thank you for (laughs) being on board with it. (laughs) Well, and I, I think I feel I feel that I need to mention to our listeners now that we've lit the candles. But I, I cut that part out because it took you forever to do it with your spaghetti. Um, <laughs> but you bought me a candle for my birthday, and it's a it's a Buffy candle, so it's got a picture of Buffy on it and little fact information on the back. And uh, so you gave that to me for my birthday, and then you got one for yourself. You went back, and I think you got like the last one. Um, yeah. You got one for yourself so that when we were watching Buffy, even though you were in Montreal and I was here in Thunder Bay, when we watched Buffy together while video chatting, we could light the Buffy candles at the same time. And it's nice. Hmm. Um, but love I, love that we're, I love that we're watching Angel now. And I'm sure that once we're done with Angel, we'll find something else to watch together. Of course we will. This <laughs> is just the beginning. Right? So... This is yeah. why, this is one of the reasons why I love Buffy. Is I think this is a TV show that I can just endlessly rewatch. It's so good. I honestly want to already rewatch it. <laughs> all right, so let's wrap things up. Uh, thank you for talking all about Buffy with me, Becky. Love it. Thank you, Ben. And uh, thank you to those people who left us some comments on our Facebook page when we put the call out for favorite Buffy moments. Yeah, I just have to say those comments were very thorough and yes, you guys are awesome. Yes, thank you so much. That was way more than we were expecting in terms of the, the depth of those comments. So thank you. Yeah. If people have other feedback, if they want to suggest topics to us or comment on what we've said or write us angry emails and letters because <laughs> we dumped on both Angel and Spike, uh, where how could they do that, Becky? Where can they find us? So you guys can find us at www.wejustliketotalk.com and there you will find our emails and uh, socials and you can find our podcast on iTunes and anywhere else you get podcasts from. Uh, Okay, so next episode we're going to be talking about moving and specifically moving and then living in another city. Okay, so I just wanted to end the episode with a little Buffy quote from uh, from our candle that we have lit. So I don't know who says this. I'm going to assume it's Buffy. But in the words of Buffy, seize the moment because tomorrow you might be dead.